I'm Daniel Gowerluck, and this is On Earth. On Earth is brought to you by the Pacific Museum of Earth. In this podcast, we aim to show what it's like to be an Earth, ocean, or atmospheric scientist. There's a lot of diversity under that umbrella, and not all of our scientists wear lab coats. Today on Earth, we're talking to... Randy Smallwood. Welcome to the podcast, Randy. Uh, Now, you are the president and CEO of Wheaton Precious Metals. Uh, Now, I think we all have an idea of what a president and CEO does, but would you care to share what you do in your day-to-day job? Well, I uh, run a, a, a streaming company, and, and a streaming company is a relatively new creation in the in the in the minerals or the mining industry. Um, but we're basically a company that invests into companies and invests into mines, actually specifically related to mines and, and ore bodies around the world, and help companies uh, develop those mines and move forward. And so, so what do I do as a president and CEO? I oversee a a, a, a team. Uh, a family, I call it our Wheaton family, as we uh, continue to grow our company. And the company's been around for about, uh, I guess, 16 years now. 2004 we started, so 16, 17 years. And uh, we've grown up to being one of the largest companies here in Vancouver and, uh, you know, listed on Toronto, New York and, and London. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a great business. It's a great company it, uh, and, it, and we make a difference. We help... Uh, we help company. We help other companies uh, build better projects. Great, and it seems like you're a great CEO. You were declared uh, the top CEO in Vancouver in 2019. Uh, well, it's uh, so much of that credit always goes in, as as it always should be, but uh, definitely it's the team behind me. We've got a really good, strong team here at the Wheaton family uh, within within our company that that uh, that makes makes me look that much better. So uh, so the thanks really goes to them. Excellent response. <laughs> Now, how did you get to where you are uh, today? What did you study in school? Uh, what kind of work experience did you have? Well, I'm a, I'm a geological engineer, Georox, uh, out of UBC, graduated actually in 1995. And I was a very mature student. Um, when I finished off high school, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I started off in computer science because back the last, <laughs> the last century, that was a trendy thing to do towards the end of the last century. And I was actually relatively good at it, but I could see right off the bat that I just wasn't passionate for it. And so, so after a, a year of studies right out of high school, I dropped out. And uh, it took me about five or six years to discover geology and uh, discover the earth sciences and discover, you know, I was always very outdoors focused from a recreational perspective, lots of camping and hiking and, and kayaking and what have you. Um, and I, I still remember uh, my first job as a, as a claim staker when I was 23 years old. Uh, finding my passion, coming back after my first day going, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. I just love this. And so so uh, I started at UBC when I was 27 years old and I crashed uh, uh, with some very, very hard effort, taking eight or nine courses at a time, got my geological engineering degree done in three and a half years and uh, just graduated ahead of my 30th birthday. Um, so I was, uh, I was a late entrant into the space, but... Uh, uh, passion was, has allowed me to, to sort of, uh, you know, be successful. It's one of the things that I really love what I do. And, uh, and in terms of what I've delivered back, it, uh, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's been a, an incredible career to date. That's really impressive. I can't imagine taking that many courses in, in each semester. Um, but it really does speak to the idea that 
you shouldn't just uh, go into school just because everyone tells you to go to school. You should go when you feel ready. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I've got four daughters that have, have all taken, uh, uh, you know, breaks in order to make sure that they were interested and excited about what they were doing. If you're not excited about what you're studying, what you're focusing on and what you, where you can go, then you really should step back and have a, a think about the direction you're taking and wonder if there's a different path. Uh, and, and yeah, eight or nine courses when, when you loved every course and you were just drinking it in and so curious, it didn't, it, I mean, it was hard work, but it was great. I absolutely loved it. Wonderful. Now, you mentioned you had some computer studies uh, courses. Do you find that that helps you in your work that you do today? Well, not so much today, because I think the rest of the world has caught up and, and in fact, probably passed me in terms of those things. But uh, but I will say that it gave me a, an incredible advantage early on in my geology career, because the geology industry was a little bit, was a, was a little bit late in terms of... Uh, of uh, going digital and uh, and and I had a head start over everyone else and it really opened up a lot of doors for me when I was you know one of the first persons that could deal with a digital database and and uh, and and working with digital geological databases for presentations and for interpretations and, and making decisions so it gave me a real advantage early on in my career and it definitely opened a lot of doors for me um, you know it's amazing how sometimes that you know just that broader experience base gives you know comes back to deliver benefits to you as you uh, push on forward so but right now I, I guarantee you I'm, I'm behind where, where the world <laughs> is on that front I don't know how much there's not much advantage now <laughs> and what brought you to geology uh, you know it's it's interesting because um, you know I come from a family where there wasn't a history of even going to university uh, uh, farming families from northern Alberta and uh, and they were big, you know, my, my parents both came from very, very big families, lots of kids in those families. And you generally you you stayed in, in farming or worked in resources. But um, and so I was one of the first people in, in several generations to actually go to university. But at the same time, I, I my parents, um, my, my dad, uh, we, we had a small business and uh, I grew up um, in that small business. But uh, but, you know, he was always, he, he himself was always, because he was a small businessman and very entrepreneurial, he's always looking for, for the, the value, for the hidden treasure, for the, uh, and I think it truly instilled it into me. Um, uh, geology uh, is an incredible science. And in fact, some people describe it, and I think sometimes it's better described as an art over a science, be, simply because, you know, it's, uh, it, there's, there's no, uh, there's no precise equations and well, there is all sorts of things, but there's, there's so many variables that come into play, uh, in geology. And so, uh, so I think that's the part that truly excited me. It wasn't a matter of just knowing what numbers to put in and what equation. There's just so many other parameters that come into play with geology. And so, uh, and, and my passion for planet earth and, and everything that we've, you know, we're blessed with on this planet, uh, it just allowed me to sort of really embrace this and bring it in. And it just, uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, my, my kids now limit me to, well, not so much now because they're all growing up, but when they were teenagers, uh, I was always limited to one geological comment per day in any of our road trips or holidays or anything like that. And, uh, and uh, it's kind of funny because we did a tour of Iceland, a family tour of Iceland back about uh, 12 years ago. And uh, it's the only place in the world where my family recognized the importance of and the, and the incredible beauty in Iceland. And they had a family meeting and allowed me to say more than one geological comment per day during the trip. I found that geologists do tend to be very uh, evangelical and, and want to share their passion with other people. Um, and I can see, see that in you as well. 
you definitely love your rocks. Well, and, and and I'll say, I mean, when you when you start understanding, you know, how small we are as as a as a as a as a race, as a human race, in in the broader picture, um, you know, it, it is uh, a little bit humbling. Um, you know, it is something that you look at now and you, you realize how important it is that we minimize our footprint while we're here. Um, you are the CEO of a precious metal company. Do you have a, a favorite precious metal? Oh, I, I'm a gold bug. <laughs> I've, I love gold. Um, you know, it's it's incredible in terms of you know the fact that there's so little of it around the world. Uh, the the fact that it, it's consistency and it's um, you know it's interesting. I've been to mines. I've I've you know in fact there's a particular event up in up in uh, northern British Columbia at a placer mining operation where where I've seen guys that have been working there for 30, 40 years, and it doesn't matter when you shut off the sluice. And you and you clean out the gravels, and you find a nugget. Everyone smiles. It just has an allure to it that uh, that even even the guys that have been working there and running loaders for thirty, forty years, they still smile when they see gold. And 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 I think gold just has it's a strong affiliation, a strong connection to 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 our society. And uh, and so I've been a gold bug, a long gold bug. I do think of silver as the affordable precious metal, and uh, obviously you know started off with a pretty. I mean, this company started off with a focus on silver, but uh, definitely more focused on gold. Wonderful. Yeah, we've got some beautiful specimens in the gem gallery, uh, which really do twinkle nicely. <laughs> I'm sure they, they probably have the biggest crowds around them uh, a lot of times. It's, it's either gold or diamonds that tends to draw the crowds. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and fossils, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I should <yes>. say, <laughs> most definitely. Now, uh, looking back at your career path, um, has it been a linear path to the uh, the CEO's office, or have you faced any setbacks or um, turnbacks? Well, it definitely wasn't a linear, just because I was such a you know mature student when I actually finally uh, went back to university and, and became a, a geological engineer. Um, it's uh, you know I it, it it had a lot of sideways. I worked in the construction industry for a while. I worked in the plastics industry for a while, uh, making plastic piping. I I uh, drove as a courier for a while. I, uh, you know, and then and then started working as a claim staker, and that's how I started out was was claim staking and soil sampling, and uh, um, you know, um, working out in the field, and just gave me a great appreciation for for how challenging it is and the amount of effort it is to actually find an economic ore body, um, and and I don't think I think that's the one thing that that most people outside of the earth sciences don't really recognize is how challenging it is to actually truly find an economic ore body that's going to deliver those kind of, you know, values to all the stakeholders and, and such. And so, um, so yeah, it definitely wasn't a linear path. Um, when I, you know, when I, when I started in, I knew it was what I wanted to do. And it was, it was a clear path, you know, path. I, when I graduated, I actually started working with a company called Wheaton River Minerals, which is in a, in a, in a sense, one of the predecessor companies of now Wheaton uh, Precious Metals. Um, it eventually morphed into Gold Corp, and then we created Wheaton Precious Metals out of Gold Corp as a spin-out, a subsidiary. And so so I've, I've only really worked for one company, but it's morphed so much over the time since then. But I started off as, as, a, as a junior geologist, uh, uh, you know, core logging, working on an exploration team on uh, on 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 a, a project in northern BC with this company and and I've really never left it the company's just continued to morph and change grew all the way into gold corp and uh, and then as I said spun out uh, wheat and precious metals and and I, I decided to take the opportunity to spin out into wheat and precious metals at that time so so it's um, you know it was a uh, 
always never be scared to try stuff that you don't know and uh and open to you know uh, new uh new um new and exciting areas to, to study and uh, and uh, so yeah and what is a claims taker well that's <laughs> again last century uh <laughs> before they had digital staking you actually to stake a mineral claim you had to go out and and, and walk the perimeter of the claim and, and blaze a trail so that other people if they were working would know that they crossed into your claim and so uh, you would stake a ground at the early, very early stage of exploration. You would stake the ground before you did any work on it to make sure that you, you know, retained the benefits of any of the, of the of the exploration work you were doing on it. So the first stage of any exploration program was was making sure you had claims staked to cover the areas that you worked. And so, so literally, you'd walk with a a, a bush axe and a can of spray paint and a whole bunch of metal tags, and you would you would walk the perimeter of the of the mining claims that would hold. You know, hopefully potential deposits. These are all very early stage exploration projects. That okay. today has been totally replaced by just uh, online online marketing. Uh, you know, as soon as you get GPS, it's it's easy to mark uh, positions and stuff like that. And so, so the claim staker doesn't as a, as a career does not exist anymore. <laughs> it's been replaced. <laughs> Fascinating. I I hadn't thought about how technology would completely change that aspect of the field. <laughs> yes. No. It's uh uh, it's it's a job that doesn't exist anymore. So it's 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 probably a good thing I expanded my horizons. <laughs> now looking back to your career, um, have you made any professional successes that you'd care to share, or made any big discoveries? Uh, well, I, I I would go back to um, you know uh, I joined a team right at the very start when I came out of university when I finished off at UBC in 1995, and and in fact I was working as a summer student uh, beforehand. And we had some great success on the Golden Bear Mine and, and that deposit, uh, the two deposits that we discovered, the Ursa and the, uh, and the um, um, Kodiak deposits, um, those two deposits, they were very small, but they were very, very high grade and therefore mm-hmm. very profitable. And, uh, and, and that essentially ultimately was the mine that, that built Gold Corp into the company that it, it was. It has since been taken over by Newmont, but it also created wheat and precious metals as a spin-out. And that was the first asset. And so being part of that exploration team was incredible. And, and, and in fact, I stayed with that project. And again, you know, opening new doors and stuff like that. I started off as an exploration geologist. Within a couple of years, I was the exploration manager. Then I became the project manager. And ultimately, I became the mine manager as we took it into production. And so I, I got, I was incredibly uh, fortunate to be able to take uh, a mineral deposit from expiration, from the discovery stage through to the resource definition, and then to the engineering and the and the and the mining process, the feasibility studies, uh, the construction process, and I still remember holding the first gold bar that we poured out of that deposit, and, and you know just thinking about what I'd gone through in terms of that. And so, so I do think it's given me a bit of a unique perspective because there's not many earth scientists. They tend to specialize more. I've always considered myself more of a generalist. I'm not too smart anywhere, but I know a little bit about everything or as much as I can. And, and, um, and so, you know, most, most earth scientists will specialize in a certain area and not, uh, not get, uh, you know, too broad. But I was the other way around. I taking something from, the, from, you know, from exploration all the way through to production. And ultimately, uh, I, I, you know, ran the, cl- or designed the closure plan for that mine and, 
And, uh, you know, seeing something go full cycle just gave me an incredible benefit in terms of assessing new projects and, and all that. And so when, when, once I finished that, I became a project evaluation specialist. And that's really what I did for the middle part of my career, all the way until I became the CEO of, uh, of, of this company back in 2010, 2011. And, and even now, you know, project evaluation is incredibly important. Um, and so, uh, so it still plays a big role. It must be really satisfying to see a project uh, through to completion from beginning to end. Oh, I, as, as I said, uh, I've got a picture over on my uh, cabinet here of, of that very first gold bar, um, you know, coming out of a mine that, that you know, had started with a, with a uh, it was actually a soil geochemistry uh, survey that uh, was, was got the first kickers. And then we went back and did a trenching program and, and then drilled and, and so on. And just to, to actually take it all the way to production is an incredible feeling. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it's a, it was a real, uh, you know, and, and it's all about trying to create value and, and, and trying to find ways to deliver, to unlock value that others haven't seen beforehand and, uh, and, you know, deliver that back to all the stakeholders. Wonderful. And what are you working on right now? Growing wheat and precious metals. Um, you know, our, our, our company has, is incredibly strong right now. It's, uh, we've, we've been continuing to add investments around the world. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what we've been able to build from right here in Vancouver. Um, um, but uh, our objective currently, our production is around, you know, uh, this year will be around 750,000 gold equivalent ounces. Um, my objective is to get the company to a hundred or to a million uh, gold equivalent ounces, um, and so we're continuing to look for new opportunities. We've got a number of projects that are in construction right now, and we'll be delivering production over the next three, four, five years. And we're we're providing funding to help those companies build those mines, and then uh, ultimately, uh, as I said, my objective is to try and get the company to a million gold equivalent ounces. Uh, we've seen that production shortages are occurring all around the world because of uh, COVID-19. Has that impacted your company or your partners? Um, you know, we are blessed in the mining industry in the sense that most mines are, uh, are in remote locations and they have limited access ways to get into them. It means that it, it allows us to sort of manage the risk a little bit better. And so our partners have actually done an incredible job in terms of limiting that risk. And other than a few suspensions in production early in 2000, well, in the middle of the year in 2020, right after the first hit, the first real big wave, uh, the mines have been able to keep going with, uh, you know, with strong management systems to try and limit that. And so, so we've had a, you know, had a good track record from, uh, from putting that out. Um, you know, the industry does have unique, it, it is a unique industry in the sense that most of the, uh, most of the resources are, are being mined from very remote jurisdictions and, uh, and so it does give better capacity for managing those risks. And so, so it's, it's not as much now. I mean, what we've seen probably currently is that the new practices that we're, that, that we and our partners are all following, you know, really do relate to limiting risk. And that means that underground mines have been particularly more challenging. Productivity per man shift has been impacted from underground mines, mainly, mainly because, uh, and I should say, Per, not man shift, per person shift. <laughs> um, but uh, um, it has been impacted um, mainly because of the confined spaces that you have in underground. And so you have to, you know, limit and physical distancing is a real challenge and so on. So, so but, but companies are even finding their ways around managing, managing that impact and trying to make improvements there. So, 
definitely has been an impact, but, uh, but it's getting less and less every day. Great. I never thought about that, but it totally makes sense that minds are basically um, their own isolated cells. So they're, in a sense, quarantining uh, before it was in fashion. <laughs> you mentioned some of your field stories. Uh, I've never personally gone into the field, um, but I've heard it's this magical place where just amazing stuff happens. Uh, do you have any field stories you'd care to share? Well, it's, um, you know, I, I, I highly encourage um, everyone to make sure they do spend time in the field. Uh, it, it's, it does push you into remote locations and, and challenging. And I, and I will tell you that they, you know, it, here's an interesting thing. And I, you know, I mean, obviously I have the benefits of age now. I've got, uh, uh, you know, lots of, lots of, <laughs> lots of experience. Um, the more challenging the camps are, the more memorable they are. And, and some of the fondest memories I have uh, were, were some of the worst conditions. And, uh, you know, I, I remember one of the earlier jobs I had was up, uh, up the, up the West coast here, uh, uh, halfway up the side of a mountain doing an IP survey an induced polarization survey. And, uh, we were doing it in January and along the coast in January, you know, usually rain, but we were high enough up on the side of the mountain that every night it would snow. And, and then during the day it would rain. And so we were basically working in slush for three weeks. Hang, hanging on the side of a mountain. And of course, um, you know, we're, we, we fly in by helicopter. We, the first thing we do is spend a day setting up a good camp because uh, there's nothing better than coming back to a really well-designed camp at the end of the day. Um, but we get, you know, dropped off by the helicopter and then the helicopter is gone and we're there for three weeks on our own. And uh, one of the first things that happened is we have a stove flare up that burns a huge hole into one of our big tarps. And uh, so we have, we have to work around this hole in our tarp that's, you know, and, and literally, I think it was three weeks of continuous rain or snow or rain and snow and, uh, and, you know, incredibly challenging conditions. And yet one of the more memorable uh, field camps that I've ever worked in. And, you know, I, I, I really do think that, that um, if, if you can get some dirt underneath your fingernails, you just gain more of an appreciation for how tough it is to actually come up with economic ore bodies and how to make sure that you do the right decisions. And, and you know, I, I do call myself an environmentalist in the sense that, that you know, I, I do think that we should limit our impacts on, on this planet but if we find an economic ore body and, 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 it's, and, and we assess the, 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 the best thing for all stakeholders, and it's not just the company and it's not just the company shareholders and the, and the employees, you have to look at the communities and, and the broader picture and come to a conclusion that, that, you know, and ideally jointly come to a conclusion that, that these deposits are the best for all the stakeholders, that, that they should move forward. Um, then the objective is to do as good a job as we can in terms of making sure that society extracts the best value they can from, from these opportunities. And being there in the field just gives you a, a, a way better opportunity to, to get a sense for what those opportunities are. Um, you know, understanding some of the risks, some of the challenges from an environmental impact perspective, from a community impact perspective, you just got to get out there and get, get some dirt in your fingernails. And so, um, so yeah, I, you know, um, understanding that, uh, uh, don't be scared of the challenging ones because in the end, though, they're the ones you're going to be talking about with your kids and your grandkids, um, 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 you know, well afterwards. And, and um, um, yeah, it's, uh, I still, I, you know, probably the fondest part of my entire career was, was the field, uh, field career side, uh, just working out in the field camps and, and you definitely do 
see the uh, you know see the productive results of all your effort when you're uh, when you're pushing yourself through these things. It's amazing how many geologists are hardcore environmentalists, like you said, um, and we often forget that mining is actually very important uh, for our future environmental roles. Um, it's going to help us clean up our the way that we live our lives and process our society. Um, Gold and silver are often seen as just being really pretty minerals. But as I say in my tours, it's not gold isn't just a pretty mineral. Um, what other uses does it have in our society? Well, gold is a solid store of value that that um, that uh, preserves cultures and, and values within cultures beyond political interference. And, and I say that because fiat currencies are all controlled by governments and, uh, and we as a society and, and, and everything that we have, um, you need something to reference to. And so, so gold is a foundation uh, in, in, in how we value things all around the world. Um, um, you know, it, it's, it's a requirement from that perspective. Silver, on the other hand, doesn't play much of a role on that, on that basis, but what silver what, what people don't realize is that silver conducts electricity better than any other metal. It has mm-hmm. higher conductivity, lower resistivity than any other noble metal. So better than, uh, better than copper, better than gold, which is, I don't know why I paid so much money for my gold-plated speaker wires on my hi-fi system back in, the, <laughs> in my teenage years. Should have been silver-plated. But, but silver, silver, actually more than half of silver is now consumed in high-efficiency electronics and in antibacterial applications. Uh, silver also has incredibly strong antibacterial, antimicrobial, microbial, uh, you know, water purification systems. The best ones have silver um, uh, ions uh, pull them because they pull out the, the nasties. They pull out the, you know, and so silver is, uh, in my eyes, uh, the metal of the future as, as, we, as we focus more on efficiencies and, um, and, and, less waste and trying to maximize the, the, the effective benefits of, of all of our efforts, creating energy and moving that energy and consuming that energy, whether it's electric vehicles, whether it's smartphones and tablets, silver plays a role. And more than half of world silver, worldwide silver production now gets consumed into, as I said, high efficiency electronics and antibacterial applications. So silver is, is a metal of the future and it's, it's going to you know that that is becoming more and more important to society, and so we know that's going to play a role. Gold, uh, different different game. Gold is what we measure things against. Um, you know, we we see all around the world um, uh, governments that are struggling to balance the uh, balance the books, and uh, and that 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 instability, that that um, that 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 challenge that we see. Um, gold is going to be incredibly important to make sure that we have a constant reference with respect to value so that we can all continue to, to measure how we, how, how we as a society are doing. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a very necessary part of uh, society. So you really are leading the charge to our uh, greener, cleaner electronic future. Well, yes, that's, uh, um, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's important, um, you know, I, I bought one of the first Teslas that ever came into Canada and, I've, and I'll never go back. And in fact, in our company, I think we're now at about 35 or 40% of our staff now drive Teslas um, or electric vehicles. Um, there is a couple of other, uh, uh, I think Nissan Leafs and whatever in, in, in the group. But, but um, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it, you know, <laughs> life is all about um, leaving as little footprint as you can and making sure that whatever footprints you do leave have delivered as much benefit to all the stakeholders as they can. And, and electrification is one of those, especially in a province like ours where, where we've got the, you know, um, the, the benefits of, of a uh, relatively green uh, power source from, from our hydroelectric uh, uh, facilities. Um, you know, I, I, I like the thinking of the fact that every time I drive my vehicle, it's, it's actually being powered by, uh, you know, a little portion of, uh, of, of, you know, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the rivers of this province. So. Wonderful. <laughs> um, now I'm curious, you do a lot. You've got a very, uh, varied career and, and job, but what's your favorite part of the work that you're doing now? Uh, I think it's, you know, just the family, the team, uh, here at Wheaton, seeing, seeing what we can deliver. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we at this company have had an incredible, um, incredibly good fortune, good luck to be, uh, first off to create the company in a, at a time where, where it gave us a great opportunity to build substantive value, but being able to deliver that, uh, being able to go forward uh, and help companies build good operations. Um, because we see so many different operations, we do, we do see a lot and that, uh, allows us to get a sense of what best practices are and so uh, to go around to all of our existing partners and future partners and make sure that we share those best practices how can we how can we all be better at this um, I'm currently chair of the World Gold Council and so you know one of one of our really strong pushes at the World Gold Council is the responsible gold mining principles which all of our members have have committed to and and just you know in doing what I can to make sure that our industry gets better and better and better at, at what it delivers to society. And on the other side, you know, tries to lessen and lower the impact uh, that, that we have and, and really, you know, do that. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's fantastic that, that earth scientists, geologists and earth scientists are so focused on the environment. It's because we recognize you know, I, I think a lot broader base in terms of how fragile this world can be, but also how strong this world can be. And and we have to make sure that, that we capture those risks and try and minimize them as much as we can and, and make sure that we're, you know, st always strive to deliver um, to the broader good. And so, so yeah, it's, um, you know, it's an incredible opportunity to do that. And I just, the capacity that we have in Wheaton, um, the capacity that I have as a earth scientist in, in my efforts at the World Gold Council, you know, I'm, I'm to a stage where my, my real focus more is about giving it back to make sure that it's uh, better for the next generations that come through. And, uh, um, you know, I spend lots of time working with nonprofits. I'm, I'm co-chair of the Special Olympics here in BC. I've been on BC Cancer Foundation. This Saturday, I'm doing a big bike ride for the, uh, for the uh, Tour de Cure for BC Cancer Foundation. Uh, uh, you know, push a lot as a company. We've got a lot of capacity and, and here in Vancouver, we, you know, sponsoring a lot of different strong, good organizations that, 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 uh, that again, um, help, help us as a society get better. So it's having that capacity and that, you know, being able to do that and deliver that value back to society. It's, uh, it's, um, it's exciting. You left out one uh, notable donation. You've given uh, the Pacific Museum of Earth quite a, a sizable donation, and you paid for our Lasmosaur as well as some uh, future exhibits, which are, are still pending, and I won't ruin the surprise of what those are going to be. Um, but thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, 
I, I've got four daughters and I, I finally did get one. Uh, one has just finished uh, her studies in, in, in geophysics, but the rest of them just didn't go into the earth sciences. And, you know, there is a cost to earth sciences. If you're working in this industry, it generally does mean that you have to travel the earth. And sometimes that's tough when it comes to family in terms of uh, raising families and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, I, I, if I have some regrets, it's the fact that I didn't get to spend as much time with my kids as I, as, as I could have if I was home every day. But I can tell you that when I was home, they received 200% of my attention. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, there's, there's a balance that everyone has to find there. And uh, um, earth sciences is, is incredibly important, especially in this country. Uh, in Canada, we have the opportunity to produce the most environmentally sound, most socially responsible resources. And, and we can lead by example. And we have because of the capacity that we have in this in this country and the opportunities we have, you know, we can afford to do that and still, you know, be competitive. And uh, and I think we just have to continue pushing that. And 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 you know, what's going to be really importantly required for that is good, strong um, studies in the earth sciences to make sure that we are leaders in that space. And uh, you know, the you know Pacific Museum of the Earth uh, and 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 all the earth sciences uh, facilities at UBC. UBC is an incredible university. It's, um, um, uh, and earth science is an incredibly important part of, of not only UBC, but of the broader space. And so everything we can do to, to, to help uh, bring in new earth scientists and, and continue helping us improve uh, you know, what, what we all deliver to this world, uh, that, that's money well spent. That's a really optimistic way of putting it. Uh, you did mention one of the challenges of um, being an earth scientist, the fact that you have to travel so much and it takes you away from your families. Um, some communities uh, struggle a little more in earth sciences than others. Uh, do you identify as belonging to any underrepresented communities? And if so, has that impacted your career? Well, my, my dad is, uh, my dad is uh, of English heritage and my mom is Icelandic heritage. And so I, I, I'm a... Uh, I'm a you know uh, white elderly male um, is is what I identify as. Uh, diversity is incredibly important, and, and diversity is what makes us better. We have to have diverse opinions, and I and I will say it, it doesn't get reinforced any more than what we've seen through this pandemic. The the disadvantage of working from home and from digital meetings is that you just don't get that that benefit of diverse sets of perspectives of views of viewpoints and, and such like this and, and I can tell you we you know we at this company have gradually shifted back into working in the office here right now and we're seeing you know way better response from from face-to-face meetings people don't realize that communication a lot of communication comes from facial expressions and from body language it's an incredibly important part of communication and that's really tough to to uh, get a measure of when you're looking at 15 faces on a screen and so um, diversity, of course, to, you know, to, to truly get the benefits of diversity, you know, you need that, that face-to-face and you have to have a diverse uh, workforce. And so, so we've got a really strong push at Wheaton on, 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 on the diversity side. Um, you know, gender diversity is, of course, incredibly important to us. And in fact, I think we're probably averaging around 70% uh, female hire over the last few years. And, and uh I think the company is actually over 50% female now. We're, we're right around 50%. Um, and so, um, but, you know, the earth sciences, uh, uh, not enough female 
earth scientists. And so I really do strongly encourage, I did get one of my daughters in, into the space and she loves her job. She just spent three months down in the Dominican Republic working on a, on a project and she's now up in Northern BC at a, another project and she just absolutely loves what she's doing. And, uh, um, you know, but we, we do need in the earth science space, we do need to, to see a, a stronger, a more diverse uh, population in that space, uh, especially on the gender side. And so um, everything we can do to support that, we, we will. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from exposure. And I'm, I'm hopeful that although, you know, in our company, our technical teams are dominated by, by people like me, by, by men like me, the rest of the company and the rest of the team, the, the children, that's one of the reasons we talk about the Wheaton family is we do a lot of family events here, but I'm hoping that perhaps we spark something in, and my, my CFO's kids, and maybe they decide they want to be a geologist because they talk to some of the geologists we have here. So we do a lot of family events where we can share that and, and push that around. And uh, you know, again, it's, it's what's required for us to be successful in, in, on this, uh, on this, um, on this planet. Wonderful. Well, as I said before, uh, geologists as a whole seem to be very uh, eager to share their passion and you are no exception <laughs> and you're good at it too. If I can, if I can bring one more person over to, our dark side <laughs> it's uh it, it is an incredible career and you know i i can tell you I've, like i said i've got four daughters that uh that are all now past uh university they've you know the the twins the youngest ones have just finished off their their uh their degrees and um the one that seems the most passionate about what she's doing is the geophysicist she's she loves what she's doing wonderful uh, for those young people who are thinking of going into geosciences, uh, what kinds of background or courses would you recommend? Well, uh, again, I'd go back to the field side. You know, when it comes into this, just, just you know, if you've got an opportunity to go and work in a remote site somewhere uh, versus, you know, um, going and doing data studies or, or, you know, setting databases in an office somewhere, always take the remote site. Get out there and... and and get your hands dirty. And especially when you're young, because <laughs> trust me, your body has much more capacity to manage the rigors of, of, of those field opportunities. But, but it just, uh, you know, the experiences that I gained in all that time out in the field, really um, through my career has, has allowed me to really truly measure uh, the value that is delivered by those that are willing to do that. And, uh, and, and that's important um, when it comes to, you know, looking at opportunities and, and understanding where you're going to go. And uh, it plays an important role in my own decision making today as I, as I speak, because I know how tough it is to, uh, to push these things forward. And so um, um, don't, don't be scared of getting your hands dirty. Um, and, you know, uh, do you want to be a specialist or do you want to be a generalist? Uh, in, in my case, I, I purposely wanted to be a generalist. I took very diverse studies through, through school because I wanted to keep as many doors open. Uh, while you were doing your studies, uh, did you find anyone who was ins uh, inspirational or who helped you get through your, your studies? Well, I, I would say, I mean, there definitely was a number of uh, um, people. But mine was a unique situation because I actually started working in the industry long before I went back to UBC. I think it was 23 years old when I started as a claim staker, and I actually didn't go back to UBC until I was 27. So I spent four years working as a, as a, as a bush rat, as a, as a field assistant, um, running programs, doing you know, field administration, stuff like that. But... Um, but uh, there was a particular, he's, he's, he unfortunately just passed away recently, but a particular gentleman who, who actually uh, I was working for as a consultant or a contractor. And, and he, uh, 
I'll say we were halfway up a mountain to start a Revelstoke uh, close to Trout Lake, halfway up a mountain on our project. And I've been working with him for about a week and a half out in this field camp running the cruise. And he's the head geologist. Uh, his name is Dr. Peter Christopher. Um, unfortunately, he passed away about four or five years ago, but he had an incredible impact. I mean, he, he basically, uh, uh, you know, halfway through that trip, just looked at me and said, Randy, it's quite clear you know what you're doing. Get your get your butt back. I was going to say something, get your butt back to, to get back to university because, you know, it's great that you're supplying these services, but it's a very cyclical industry. And uh, first time it's down, you're out of business. And so, you know, and, and you're too smart to be doing what you're doing right now. And so, and he was the one that really, you know, flicked a switch for me in terms of going back and, and, uh, and, and getting more detailed into the studies versus, you know, just doing the hands-on uh, uh, approach. And so, so I always, you know, I often think of Peter and, uh, you know, um, and some of his advice. He, he was, he was a, a very thorough, very diligent uh, geologist um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, gave, had an impact. And, 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 you know, I always, when I sit and look at that, I always think about, well, you know, hopefully I can have that kind of an impact on other people, right? And uh, because, you know, I such a small little step, but it had such a big impact on my life choices in terms of where I went. And so, um, so yeah, I, I'd say, uh, um, Peter Christopher, uh, was, was one of the key, key, uh, persons that, uh, you know, helped steer me through the, uh, through, through my learning stage and my education stage. I'll have to take back what I said at the beginning of this interview. Sometimes you should go back to university, uh, just because someone tells you to. <laughs> You're never too old to learn. You're never too mm -hmm. old to learn. And, and once you stop learning, well, that, that's the day, you know, <laughs> um, you should always have an open mind and always be there. And, and, uh, and so don't, don't be scared of going down a path just because you haven't done it before and, uh, and you're not sure you'll be successful. Uh, you learn best from your failures. So embrace your failures and, and turn them into lessons. And that's such a key thing, right? Um, just, uh, you know, everything that happens to us shapes us. It's up to us as to how it shapes us, but it's going to shape us. And so don't be scared of new experiences and don't be scared of new areas, but, uh, but just make sure that you make sure that you embrace it and shape it to, to the positive. Now, I'm sure you're not done being shaped uh, by life. Uh, you've got a lot of shaping left to do. Uh, looking to the long term, what would you like to be the legacy at the end of your career? Or what would you like to have written on your career's tombstone when you retire? Oh, gosh, uh, that's a good Good question. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, I, if I can, I sit back and uh, I just made comment of it in the last question there. If I sit back and think about Peter Christopher's influence on me, if I can help, uh, if I can leave a legacy of, of, of within the Wheaton family, of course, success, but even on the broader base, you know, I've long said that in the end, you know, the only thing we leave behind is our, is our children, our kids. And as I mentioned, I've got four daughters that, uh, they're all very successful in their, in their, in their areas, in their field. And I, and I want them to, to be successful. And that'll be sort of the true measure of, 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 you know, what you've left. But, but yeah, I, I've obviously got the opportunity and we've had the, the benefit of, of building an incredible company here and have incredible capacity. And so, so we are looking to, to, you know, make sure that, that it goes broader than that. It's broader than family, it's community. If I can promote and help, um, you know, the, the mining industry and the resource industry to, to be better uh, on, on numerous fronts, 
uh, from environmental impact, from social benefits, from, you know, um, if I can leave that legacy and it's, you know, one of the initiatives that, uh, that, you know, that we're doing at the World Gold Council is really trying to push that to make sure that from a, from a, a world gold industry perspective that we do uh, continuously improve to uh, make sure that the net benefit that society gets is even better and better all the time. And if I can leave that legacy behind and, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd be more than happy with that uh, being described on my tombstone. And I think you're well on your way. Um, I'm really impressed that you were able to get all the, the members of the council to agree to be- best practices in, in mining. Oh, it's, you know what, um, it, it, you know, it's interesting. It, you know, a lot of these um, aspects and issues have, have really come, come to the forefront here in the last decade or so. But, but in my eyes, I think they've always been part of good business practice. You know, um, if if all the stakeholders aren't getting a benefit from from whatever uh, whatever effort you're going through, it, that's not sustainable. Um, and and so, good business practice has always been wrapped around strong social license, and strong social license comes from doing the right things uh, for all the stakeholders. And so, so uh, you know, in a sense, I would say that a lot of what's happened over the net, and there's no doubt there has been improvement in practice and stuff like that, but. But a lot of this is is common sense, and uh, we just have to make sure that 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 everyone's on board, and and making sure that those uh, those those benefits are being delivered to society. Now you've mentioned a lot of changes that have already occurred in in your lifetime in mining, um, but I find that every field is changing at lightning speed these days. Uh, and a field that person enters at the beginning of their career can be completely un- unrecognizable uh, when they retire. So. Where do you see mining going in the future, and what kinds of, or what advice would you have for young people uh, to anticipate some of those changes? Well, I'll tell you, as a science, uh, and you know, um, geology is 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 always again going back to one of the earlier comments I had in this podcast about the fact that that geology doesn't have fixed formulas. It's not about knowing which number to put into which, uh, you know, which variable equals which number and, and pounding it out. And I'm a geological engineer mainly because I, I, you know, I do have definitely an engineering mind. I've, I've, um, you know, anything I did in the engineering side, I found boring because it's so, you just got to know which formula to stick it into and so on. Geology is what really appealed to me. And so I'm definitely more of a geologist than I am an engineer. And, and I can tell you that, that, well, that in itself makes this a, an industry, a career that's not going to go away. And in fact, I think as more people realize how important earth sciences are, it's going to be an even more important uh, career choice because it's not just the mining industry. There's all other aspects in terms of, you know, social impacts, geographical impacts, um, uh, environmental, uh, hydrogeological. Um, and so, you know, it, it's an incredibly important career choice that is not going to be replaced <laughs> it, it's and and one of the reasons it's not going to be is because it's not predictable it, it you know I, I said earlier on it sometimes it would be classed more of an art than it is a science just because for every rule for every law there is there's plenty of exceptions to those rules and laws and and and, and a lot of what we have to do in the geology space is more about generalizing and, and looking for trend pattern recognition and stuff like this trend analysis and, and such to try and come up with best guesses and then move forward, but always be open to, to new and fresh uh, um, uh, interpretations and, and such. So it's just, it's, it's an industry that I don't think is going to suffer from, from a lot of replacement, but, but 
we are getting access to better and better technology that helps us make better decisions. And so, so I would you know, strongly recommend that anyone coming into the earth sciences make sure that they do have a good handle on, on the technical side. Because getting a, you know, I had that benefit back in, in, the, in the 1980s and the 1990s in the sense that I was way ahead of the curve with respect to just about every other earth sciences student, every other geologist out there, because I had that computer background. And uh, I could I could actually write script in 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 a number of different you know software languages and stuff, um, and it gave me a real benefit. It opened up a lot of doors for me, but but I definitely made sure it didn't define me. Um, you know, I, I used it as a tool to uh, to open doors. But once I got into those doors, I, I made sure that I you know stayed focused on where my passions were. Um, but but you know recognize that that you know there's there's no wasted knowledge. All it does is broaden our own experience, and so. Keep your eyes open. Keep your, you know, keep, 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 uh, keep learning. Yeah, it's always great to have a diversity of knowledge, even within yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, those are all my questions for today. Um, is there anything I missed, or anything you wanted to add before I let you go? No, this has been great, uh, Daniel. I mean, uh, you know, um, like I said, I'll I'll count this as a great success if this uh, intrigues at least one more person into the earth sciences industry because. Uh, uh, there's just so much opportunity in this space, and and when I look at society now, it is a recognition that that we need resources and we need and and so the challenge isn't a matter of, you know, here's the challenge. The challenge is to produce those resources with as little impact and as much benefit as we can for society as a whole, and that's going to take new thinking. It's going to take new ideas. It's going to take new people that come in, that, that supply those perspectives. And, and it has to be new people from a very broad spectrum. It, it shouldn't be, you know, uh, hopefully we come up with a very diverse group of, of, of individuals that steer that forward because that's what, you know, uh, we as a society will only uh, succeed if we, you know, take the collective benefits and knowledge from as many as we can in terms of that. And, and in the resource sector, in, the, uh, in, in, in earth sciences, it's incredibly exciting time right now because, you know, we can, we can shape and we can afford to push forward and just do things better. And, uh, and, and it's a journey. Life is a journey. We're never going to be satisfied. There's always going to be something else that we can add onto that. And we shouldn't be satisfied, right? This is a journey. We're not staying anywhere. So just get on that journey, push forward and, 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 you know, let's, let's do the best we can. Great. Well, Randy, thank you so much for sh uh, sharing your stories and your passion. And I hope you did inspire some people to follow in your footsteps. Um, and thanks for sitting down today. Fingers crossed. I enjoyed it, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Honor. Honor is hosted by me and produced by myself, Kirsten Hodge, our editor, Mel Woods, and Ollie Beebe designed our logo. On Earth is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Canadian Geological Foundation. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca slash learn slash podcast or listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week here on Earth.